You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is episode 435 of the Columbia Calling podcast. This week's very special guest needs no introduction to any of you. Dave Proctor of the legend La Leyenda, the multi-stage and also now single day stages uh, mountain bike races in Colombia. Very cool indeed. What he and Brian have set up along with their very efficient and capable team. They've put together one of the most, one of the premier, I would say, if not the best multi-stage and single day events for mountain bikers here in Colombia. So we'll be talking to him about coming back to the scene after, um, after COVID, of course. So yes, that's right. Sunday, Sunday just passed. And well, we have a new president. President Gustavo Petro is in power. There were a little bit of, uh, there was some, uh, what do you call it? It was petty to and froze on Sunday. That's right about the Bolivar sword and, and the ceremony. But uh, you can read up on that online. I'm not going to get into it. So there's a back and forth. First leftist, well, leftist president in Colombia's history. So well, let's see how he does. Um, of course, we'll be watching here, and I hope to get some analysts on in coming weeks and months to talk about what's going on in Colombia. Please remember, of course, that the Colombia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. Also, this episode is brought to you by BNB Colombia Tours, experts in custom-made travel throughout Colombia. The team at BNB Colombia Tours can provide you with a fantastic private experience, creating wonderful memories of Colombia for a lifetime. Check out the website at bnbcolombia.com. Complete the free itinerary form and tell them that Colombia Calling sent you to receive a further 5% off their already great prices. So please support our sponsors, latinnews.com and bnbcolumbia.com. We'll be back with the news. Uh, that's with Emily Hart in London at the moment. And then we'll be back after that segment three with Dave Proctor on La, La Leyenda or the legend of El Dorado, La Leyenda, multi-stage and single day stages, um, single day events, mountain bike racing in Colombia. Columbia. Of course, thank you again to all of those of you who signed up on Patreon to support us. That's www.patreon.com forward slash Columbia Calling. You can throw a few dollars at us a month and help us, uh, well, maintain economic viability of the Columbia Calling podcast. Thank you again and don't go away. I'm Emily Hart and these are your top stories for the week of August 8th, 2022. Columbia officially has a new president. 
Gustavo Petro, the country's first ever left-wing leader, was sworn in on Sunday in a huge ceremony in Bogotá, attended by more than 100,000 people. The presidential address emphasised the struggle against inequality, plans for the industrialization of the country, and what Petro terms total peace. I will work to achieve true and definitive peace, like no one else, like never before, he said. He reiterated his planned tax reform, which is how he plans to pursue equity, and his environmental policies, as well as promising that his government will remain in social and regional dialogue. Food security was another key element, as Petro says that the idea of food security based exclusively on international trade has collapsed this year, necessitating a focus on agriculture and self-sufficiency. Another key element of his address was the war on drugs, which he says has failed, leaving a million dead in Latin America over 40 years while still allowing 70,000 North Americans to die by overdose each year. The war on drugs strengthened mafias and weakened states, he said, calling for a new international convention and massive policy reform. The president concluded with an unequivocal call for unity, both national and Latin American. Symbolically and against convention, the presidential sash was placed on Gustavo Petro by Congresswoman Maria José Pizarro, daughter of murdered M19 leader Carlos Pizarro León Gómez, who was murdered in 1990 while running for president just days after signing a peace deal between guerrilla group M19 and the Colombian state. M19 was the rebel group to which Petro himself belonged in his youth. There was some controversy between the outgoing and incoming presidents over a ceremonial sword. In one of his last actions as president, Iván Duque prevented Simón Bolívar's sword being brought to the ceremony, citing fears about security. Petro, once sworn in, gave a presidential order to the military to bring it, pausing the ceremony to wait for its arrival. The executive report of the transition team between outgoing and incoming governments was released last week. The handover report includes dozens of critical alerts on issues which could impact the performance of the new government. Chief among these is the health system which is reportedly financially unsustainable. According to the recommendations, the incoming government should put an end to some flagship policies of the Duque administration, for example the orange economy and fracking, of which the report recommends suspension of all pilots. In response to Petro's calls for total peace, some of Colombia's remaining armed actors are making moves towards submitting themselves to justice and laying down arms. The most powerful armed group in Colombia, the Clan del Golfo, announced a unilateral ceasefire via a pamphlet this week. The incoming government has said it is willing to hold dialogue with armed groups and potentially give members reduced sentences in exchange for information about criminal networks. In addition, ELN commander Antonio Garcia announced on Twitter that there is will for peace on the part of that guerrilla group. Inflation in Colombia is at its highest rate for 22 years, according to the National Statistics Office. It rose 0.81% during the month of July and totaled 102 in the last 12 months. This is a global pattern after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which pushed up energy and food prices alongside squeezing households' real incomes. To curb the price increases, the board of directors of the central bank decided in June to increase the interest rate at which it lends to banks by 1.5%, taking it to 9%, 
the highest since March 2009. Low-income people and families are those who have lost the most purchasing power in Colombia. Those were your top stories for this week. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next Monday. And we're back. This is episode 435 of the Columbia Calling Podcast. My very special guest is no stranger to the podcast. And of course, should be no stranger to any of you who have been listening to the podcast all these years. I think this is probably his fifth or sixth time, maybe, because certainly what he is now promoting or talking about is the fifth edition of La Leyenda multi-day mountain bike race here in Colombia. It's Dave Proctor, everyone. Welcome back on the show. Hi, Richard. Thanks for having me on once again. You've just made me think, how many times have I been on Columbia Corwin? Yeah, it must be five or six now. Obviously, unfortunately, well, we haven't been on for three years because of what's gone on. But, um, you know, La Leyenda's back, as we're saying. Um, you know, we've actually had one-day events as well, uh, which mm-hmm. we've uh, touched on, um, which has started uh, since the pandemic, but where we're building up now to the seven-day La Leyenda del Dorado stage race. And we're in the Vidal Calca this year. So we kick off in, well, as we're speaking now, just over two weeks' time on the 21st of August in Cali. We have a seven-day route, which covers nearly 400 kilometers and go around the Vidal Calca. Visiting places like Rosso, uh, Buga, Pueblo Patrimonio, as you as, like, like Mampos is. Uh, Lao Calima, obviously one of the premier water sports destinations in all Latin America before coming back to Cali. So we've got 500 races from 22 countries uh, ready and raring to go. And uh, yeah, we can't wait to welcome them. Well, I mean, your message is, your message is clear. Uh, you're back. Uh, pandemic aside, you're back. It seems like you've come back stronger. Um, you know, these, these three years or whatever they are, <laughs> interminable period that we were all sort of treading water and just trying to survive health-wise and economically, of course, and all of our projects, entrepreneurial, sporting, so on. Um, it, it meant to you, you and, and Brian, of course, Brian Murphy, uh, creator, uh, one of the creators, creative director of this, is you've had to sit down and reconsider how to, to get back up. And, and I know, was it, was it, it's this year that you started the one-day races, right? You said Cali, there was one, and then Caldas, there was one. And you've had 1,000 people in the Cali one day and 1,500 people in the Caldas one day. It strikes me that this, this new sort of vein, not only is it expanding your reach, but it's an excellent uh, form of promotion for the for the seven day leyenda how does it i mean is it different people that sign up for the one day that is it a different type of athlete yeah you're exactly right richard so it was a plan we had pre-pandemic we actually launched our first leyenda series event before the pandemic mm-hmm. obviously we couldn't do it so you know the thing we noticed over the years is that the end is a seven day race you know mm-hmm. people genuinely training for six months sometimes longer to do it it's also you know thinking at a local level, it's fairly expensive to take part for some Colombians. Um, so we have to be conscious of that. So we always wanted to think about how we can expand the brand and take it to more people. Um, so we thought the series concept where we have one-day events and we go around Colombia with, with, the, with, the, with the event, um, it gives people uh, a taste of what that end is about. So we give them, uh, we have a, what, we, what we call the travesty or the ride route, which is completely accessible. 
which basically if you bought a mountain bike, Richard, I'm talking to you, you know, if you bought a mountain bike a month ago, you could pretty much do that event. Um, so it gives people a taster of what it's about. We also have a more competitive route, the race route. Um, but yeah, it's also, it basically takes it out to, instead of having an event of, okay, 500 riders this year, previously 250 riders was at the end of seven days. We have a event with a thousand riders in Cali last year. 1,500 people in Caldas just over a month ago, uh, which helps us obviously uh, enhances our reach with people around Colombia and also just gives people a taste of what we do. They get to know us, they see our events, they understand that we like to do things well, you know, starting on time, well organized, um, you know, make sure all the logistics are in place, which people love uh, because, you know, it's a, it's a tough industry. There is competition out there. So we need to always think about how we can adapt. Um, pandemic, as I said, we wanted to do this before pandemic but pandemic really sort of made us have to do it. Mm. And yeah, that's, that's a serious concept and uh, it's going very well so far. And then we'll hopefully have more, um, more destinations uh, coming up in 2023 for service. So one thing about this is, is there a, a cap on the number of people on the one day ones? Um, well, I mean, obviously logistically, we have to think about the numbers that we can accommodate because you can't have an event of 10,000 people and the logistics is, is, you know, not, not very good. So we think it's manageable at, uh, a thousand like we did just at the end of last year and 1500 just just over a month ago we think we could do more mm. but it's you you want to expand gradually mm. you don't want to you know say we're going to have about five thousand people then people have a not a great experience so it's all about managing expectations mm. um, but we know the concept works i mean the event we had in caldas i think it was 66 percent of people came from outside the department so we know uh, the impact that has on the tourism um, on tourism in that department the governors in the Caldas were excellent with, uh, with supporting us for that event uh, they can see uh, again post pandemic how important these sort of events are um, I mean I think we worked out the economic impact was uh, 2,200 million which is I think over half a million dollars just from that weekend uh, from our event you know, people come in uh, bring in wives uh, wives kids I mean a lot of women take part as well so it's, uh, it's a whole family event um, it's a lot more inclusive. So that, that's the concept with series. And um, yeah, we hope to do more of it. And we're thinking we think we could easily do a couple of events, a couple of series events a year, as well as that the end of. Mm. So that's a plan we've That's an amazing impact. I'm thinking of the, the financial. And of course, everybody with their, you know, as they say, con las uñas, you know, sort of screaming out for tourism in this post-pandemic. And we're not post-pandemic, post-disaster, let's say. <laughs> but a situation, as you say, at that Half a million dollars, people coming in, I guess, the day before or two days before to acclimatize, staying the day of the event and probably the day after to, to you know, to relax. So, I mean, when you're doing the Caldas one, I would assume you get, you have sort of uh, cooperation with all the hotels and so on and so forth, because that's a lot of people coming in and, and small towns. I don't know if you've got 1,500 if you've got 1,500 athletes and they're all bringing in a plus one, for example, but of course a lot of them are bringing in more, as you say, kids. For example, if I thought of Montpos, you know, Montpos can hardly manage 4,000 people. So uh, were you based all in Manisales and thereabouts? Is that, you know, you're looking at, you, you know, you have a cooperation with the hotels. You've got 1,500 athletes, all of whom are bringing in, let's say all of whom are bringing one or plus people. So you're looking at more than 3,000 people coming in. Were you based mainly in Manisales? Because I wonder where, what towns could take 3,000 people or 4,000 people straight up. I mean, Montpost 
could probably do it at a stretch with private homes being rented. But you have to think about all this. Uh, yeah, you're exactly right. So we actually were pretty sure the, uh, we had about 4,000 people altogether that came for that weekend. And I think from our feedback form, most of them actually stayed at least two nights, which surprised mm -hmm. us. We thought a lot of people might come just Saturday and go back on the Sunday. You know, we always try and do these things at a plenty weekend as well, which helps. Mm -hmm. um, so we were based the Caldas weekend. We were based, we had the registration on the Friday and the Saturday in the commercial fair, which is very important. You know, it gives local businesses an opportunity, maybe cycling ones to sell their products and so on. So we had two days of commercial expo and registration. And then we sort of camped about 45 minutes away to La Rochelle, Comfort La Rochelle, um, which is near the Cauca River. So it's, you go from sort of the, not high altitude of Manizades, but it's a little bit cooler up there. And then you go down to the tropical uh, area near the Cauca and it was, it worked out fantastically. So we were a little bit worried about the rain because it has been raining a little bit more than, than normal in, in, in June and well, the start of July. Um, but luckily we had an absolutely stunning day on, on the Sunday and uh, really happy faces and went, everything went, went very well logistically um, and that's the most important thing it gives people a good time they sort of mm. see see what we do they, look, they, have, they get a photo they you know they, they become a, a legend as we say as well um, so it's all it's all part of showing what we do to a, a mass market audience and uh, yeah give, give, give everyone a good time hopefully they come back they tell their friends they bring more people next time and hopefully some of them I'm sure some of them will sign up uh, for that in the 2023, 2024, uh, because that's what it's about. It's about giving people a sort of, uh, you know, hobby. People say, you know, we, we've changed their lives. That's a, that's a, that's a very big phrase, well, uh, Richard, I know. And I, but people have told us that, oh, you know, th this hobby has, has changed what I do and how I live. And, you know, I want to do this and I go want to do this event in that country, which is it's amazing to hear. That's, that's in, uh, something I had written down here on my, th my, on my, on my pad. It's like, you know, we're looking at the Commonwealth Games at the moment in Birmingham. Of course, no one else in the world, just in England, really. But uh, it's got 90-something countries participating. And, of course, all of the chat is around the lasting legacy. I mean, you are not building stadia and so on. But, you know, the lasting legacy is you say that someone says to you, this has been life-changing. You have changed my life. That is a lasting legacy. And not only for that person, but that someone says it to you. I mean, you will never forget that. You will never forget that. And, and now that they want to go elsewhere, overseas, and do this, that's the lasting legacy is, is that people are getting involved. And I am certain, especially in the one-day ones, that people will want to travel around Colombia, like following it, like groupies almost, because um, this happens. This happens. You know, they've explored, uh, let's say, Cali on bike, then they've explored Caldas on bike. So that you know we have 32 departments you should do one round providencia there we go and help the rebuilding <laughs> let's go let's go richard yeah i mean all, all, all we say all we need is uh, a good contact and uh, the helpers work things out with uh, you know local government and so on um because you know we is a big event and we need, you know as you said support from hotels and buying from restaurants and everyone to work to the same you know what's going on uh, you know work towards the same goal and if that happens we can go anywhere with the race. So we're always, um, we always have our options open, but it's a fantastic concept that we're very proud of already. Mm. And we know the potential is, is huge over the coming years uh, with that to take it around Colombia, new places, more riders, and it just helps the whole Lally and the brand. So, what, I mean, when you're looking for a new uh, destination, 
I was sticking on the one day ones because for me it's something new and I have seen it on social media and so on but this is something new because I know a lot about the seven day one and you know you, you put in all the challenges there the you know the high altitude the low altitude so on and the, you know different types of roads that people are going on but the one day ones when you are scouting for a new location what are, what are the things that need to fit the bill okay so we all, we obviously need two great routes that's, mm-hmm. that's the fundamental thing you need to have a route that's accessible for beginners then you want a route that's a little bit more demanding for people that are more experienced that maybe want to genuinely compete so that's that's obviously the primary thing um then obviously logistically you know we need to have a space where we can uh carry out registration and a commercial expo those sort of things so it's then it's looking at other things like ideally you want a good accessibility to that city you need decent uh, a great airport always helps you know because you want people want to come we do, we do get foreigners that come for the one-day events as well. Um, it's all those things that mean that we can then organize a good event, we can have a good press conference, we can give the department uh, the exposure that they, they, they're supporting us at the end of the day. So we need to give them the exposure um, in return. Um, obviously, we want visually stunning places of which Colombia has you know, thousands, literally. Um, so it's all about looking at uh, looking at that and where we can operate You know, with our with our our production team, our photographers, and basically selling the area because we know that a lot of those people will go back again. Mm. Even if, if we do an event or we don't do an event, they'll, they'll go back again, maybe on their own with their families. If we do events again there, um, you know, we already think about event uh, locations for next, year, uh, for next year with series. You know, people will come back again, and that's what we want. That's what these departments want. They want to leave. Like, they want to know that if they do an event, that it brings in so much money to the local economy, mm. which is you know, especially post-pandemic is, is what's required. You know, a lot of these towns, the cities are recovering, but a lot of rural areas still need still need support. Yeah. Um, just that's the important thing that we can leave a good economic footprint. And we can say, you know, that the end is not just a sporting event, it's a, you know, a tourism event yeah. and it contributes to the whole economic uh, success of, of the area and the, t- the country. I, I, I mean, I'm thinking off the top of my head of other, I mean, obviously there's just too many places in Colombia, but would you consider something like, uh, you know, around the, the regions of the Tatacoa Desert off in, in Wheeler? Because I could think, you know, just taking it to a different uh, scenery. Oh, definitely. I mean, we're always, we're always looking at new places and it just depends where we can, you know, feasibly, where we can go logistically and there are events in other places as well, so you've got to be conscious mm. of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're, there are amazing places in Colombia. Um, you know, as we always say, one of the one of the things that a lot of our racers tell us, especially the ones that come from abroad, is they can't believe that you can go from, so I'm in Cali right now, tropical uh, climate here, you can go up to near Bogota to a bit, yeah. bit higher altitude, go to Medellin, a bit in the middle, then you go up to the Caribbean, obviously around the Mompos area. You've got all within one country, yeah. half an hour, one hour flight, five, six hours drive, the climate changes completely. And that is a, an amazing selling point that the country has. We sort of think it needs to be pushed a bit more. Yeah, and then we're only, what, three hours flight from Miami, five hours mm-hmm. flight from New York. Strategically, the country has so much to offer in terms of cycling. Mm-hmm. It needs events and obviously uh, people, to bring, people to bring them here. It's not. I mean, it's, yeah, cycling is obviously a bit, the big thing. And, of course, yeah, I know I realize it's road racing, and, and you know, the, the, but, but our, our cyclists, I'd say our cyclists, the Egan Bernals and so on, um, and Nairo Quintanas, they put Colombia in a good light and you therefore you know they're up there in the I guess the Giro d'Italia or the Tour de France and 
you know, it may be road racing and so on, but it allows people to associate Colombia with cycling. And this is a huge cycling country. I mean, you just not only weekdays, you see them in their, in their clubs and their teams. You get up at five in the morning and they're coming back from, from like rides around on weekdays. Weekend, I mean, where I'm based in Bogota, on the weekends you see, I mean, it's hard to drive out of the city <laughs> because, you know, uh, cycling clubs have taken over the roads all the way out into the neighboring towns in Cundinamarca and so on. And they routinely are doing several hundred kilometers. I mean, this is, you know, over a couple of days and so on. It's, it's a real cycling country. But, I mean, this is the this is the Achilles heel to Colombia as well. Is there's just too much here for, let's say, uh, branded content? Yeah, and I, I am always interested. Is that I don't doubt that pro Colombia at some point exhausting a lot of their <laughs> a lot of their outlets and creativity will come up saying Colombia cycling paradise or something. But of course, you know, it, it would be great for you, but it's not the whole country as we know. I mean, it's like when they came up with the 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 Volteao hat as like a symbol of Colombia. It's not, you know, it's not a symbol of the whole country. And I always feel that this is the one of the biggest drawbacks, isn't it? Is there's just too much here, but you are doing amazing work and amazing work, and, and of course you've got ideas for the next uh, one days uh, next year, twenty twenty three. Let's move on to the seven day one. Now this is taking part. This is the fifth edition. There are five hundred people signed up. Where is it taking place? So we're in the La Vienda twenty twenty two is in the Valle del Cauca this uh-huh. time, Richard. The first. First time we're here, uh, we did this series event last November in Cali, but uh, this is a route that goes around, you know, nearly the entire Valle del Cauca. Um, it's a big department, but we touch on um, uh, starting and finishing in, in Cali. Obviously, great accessibility with the airport here and so on. Um, Thirty, I think it's thirty-five percent of races are coming from abroad this time, uh, which is about hundred and hundred and fifty something like that. Um, so yeah, and then we we have a, a circuit stage uh, around Tres Cruces. It's just on the edge of the city. Um, Cali's a very blessed city in that respect. Mm. As I always say, how many cities have a mountain right next to them with amazing world-class mountain biking? Not many. Mm. Uh, then we, the second day, when we head out into the valley, uh, we go to uh, we finish in a town uh, near uh, just outside Rosso, in the heart of the Valle del Cauca. Then we have a, a short transfer to Buga, a mm. beautiful town famous for its, uh, its pink basilica. Then we have a route up into the mountains um, in the Centro Cordillera. Mm-hmm. So we start in the Western Cordillera, and then we head over to the Central Cordillera. Then the next day we head back towards the Western Cordillera to La Palima. And then we have a, basically stay there for two nights. We have a circuit around the La Palima area. Mm-hmm. And then stage five, which is a six day. Um, stage five heads back to Cali in the longest stage, uh, 96 kilometers. Mm-hmm. And then we finish off on the Saturday 27th with the final uh, final stage again uh, just outside Cali on Tres Cruces uh, which takes the overall route to just under 400 kilometers so it's a challenge uh, it's mountain biking so um, you know it's, it's it's a lot hard on the whole body it's not just you know your legs you know your whole your whole body core your arms you're, you're feeling it after seven days as well as that uh, there's a heat contender with this time so we don't have altitude like we previously had in, in Manizades and going to the volcano we don't have that anymore um, but we've still got you know there's a lot of other challenges in the Valle del Calca, it's a lot drier, a little bit dustier maybe when we're, when we're crossing the valley. So those things to contend with as well. But um, we're, we're sure, I mean, we've done, we've done the route and it's stunning. 
and yeah. you can guaranteed with that in Colombia stunning routes everywhere so yeah. uh, we've got that already and all the logistics sorted out as well so and also I remember from previous uh, Leyenda races you sort of um, got local people involved in the race themselves like I think it, was it once that it was a guy with, with a bicycle with no gears or anything like got over the mountain before you guys, you know, someone who just cycled to work every day on, I guess, like a, a broken old BMX or whatever. You gave him a bicycle at the end, didn't you, or something? You gave, you gifted him one? Yep, that was La Leyenda 2016, our first ever Leyenda, and that was a guy called Edwin Peña, who uh, literally saw the race go past his house in Murillo, Tolima, and basically decided to follow the race on his bike, uh, you know, a very, very rudimentary bicycle, um, and he kept up pretty, from what I understand, he kept up with the top guys pretty well. Uh, our strategic sponsorship specialised. They then they saw this and were like, "This is a great opportunity." So they gave him uh, they gave him a bike mm-hmm. uh, that evening at Tamares del Otoño, uh, just outside Manizales, and he stayed there. And I presume he rode back on that new bike. But then he, but then he actually, uh, we gave him a place for the following edition of La Leyenda, La Leyenda 2017. And he finished, yeah, I remember now, he, he was in the mixed category and he finished on the podium. Uh, and he finished third place. Um, so that's the guy that had never done a mountain bike race before. Um, and he, he was a very, very good cyclist. He's nice. He's a very good cyclist, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a, one of our first, our first two editions of Valiander. Now, do you have other people like that, like signed up, or do you have other plans to with which to involve like the local community? Let's say more of a, a humble origin who don't have the means to to participate, or who have shown themselves to be <laughs> equal to uh, you know real uh, real mountain bikers out there, people who travel the world. Well, our social responsibility scheme this year has been helping uh, Cali Bike Park, which is um, a project uh, on Cerro de las Tres Cruces, just outside Cali. Um, and basically, uh, through um, they, they've developed, a, led by a, a man called Walter Bonilla, a mm. Colombian who lives in New York. Um, he's invested quite a lot of money in, in the bike park to develop single tracks that we're going to use in the race. And these are stunning stunning tracks okay. and they go out there. I think they have a couple of people that actually employ full time now. And the idea is that people pay a small donation um, to the bike park and that helps fund the maintenance of the tracks. Um, we ourselves, we, we sponsor the bike park um, because we think like, it's an amazing location. Uh, we're going to use it in, our, in the race. So we want to give back. So that's what we've been doing with, um, with our sort of social responsibility this year, as well as that other races taking part. Um, I suppose this year, uh, we, yeah, it's about 65% Colombians this year, 35% foreigners. Uh, but amongst the Colombians taking part, we've now got four riders that have done each edition of La Leyenda. Uh, it's almost a fraternity. There are Jaguars. We've now got <laughs> two additional Jaguars this year who have since finished three editions of the race, which is what you become when you've, been, when you've done three Leyendas, become a Jaguar. And one of those is Nelson Cardona, who's from Manizales, but based in Bogota, and he is uh, the only Colombian to have climbed Everest with a prosthetic limb. And he's done three editions of our race. Uh, this is his fourth edition. He's quite a celebrity. He's done the seven summits of the world. He's a very, very respected mountaineer. Um, but I mean, he is just a, when you speak to him, he calls him up regularly with some press that's come out about him or whatever. 
he's just a guy that has got full, full energy. You answer the phone to him, and you're, oh yeah, just what's Nelson got to tell me? And he's he's in the race for the fourth time, and he's you know as he says, I do it with, with one leg. He's an amateur rider, okay? He finishes, you know, literally two or three minutes before the cut on some days because there's a time limit. And it's when the race is on, you get involved in that. Mm. And you say, you know, where's Nelson? I want him to finish. I want him to finish. Mm. And then he turns up and it's, that's, that's for me, that's sort of the best bit of the race, seeing these riders that they're not professionals, they're amateurs. Mm. And it's a challenge for them and you want them to finish because it means so much. They've trained for you know, months and months. Their families have sacrificed so many things for them to you know, go out every Sunday morning and abandon them and all those sort of things. So then you see it. It's just, I love it. It's fascinating. He, in 2019, he actually raced with um, a guy called Luis Figueroa, who, was our, who is our oldest ever Leyenda to date. He was 69 mm-hmm. when he finished the race in 2019. He's not signed up this year. Um, but I mean, when I was speaking to him, he only took up mountain biking when he was 63. <laughs> and he finished our race a couple of years later. I think our oldest racer this year is 71 for what I saw on the register. So it's, that's what it it's just seeing these people is, you know, they're, because when you're involved in the organization, you know, you're behind the scenes and you see, you know, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. But when you meet the people, that's what it's all about. They're the, you know, they're the sort of people that it's all about. And you see them and what it means to them when they finish and they get the medal, you're like, yeah, this is cool. Good to see them, good to share in their success significant age 71 you know mm-hmm. significant to do something so physically demanding uh, uh mountain biking i've only done a couple of times and now I, I, I i'm 45 it's i'm not gonna lie it's not gonna happen with my knees <laughs> i'm not gonna lie um I, you know so to imagine myself you know 18 years from now <laughs> 16 years from now trying to do it Nah, I can't see it. But, uh, you know, okay, let's say, let's go with this. Never say never. Maybe I'll have prosthetic knees. But now, will there be anywhere to see the race? Is any of it going to be televised? Or will it be on, on YouTube or, so, or Facebook Live? Uh, well, we, we, our social media channels cover everything. So, you know, we, we're live every day on Instagram. Um, you yeah, know, we, we have a press conference uh, today in, in the Spirak Hotel in Cali. So that gets a lot of local press out and national press as well. Um, but it's, it should be, you know, there should be um, news items every day on how to call it, because it's not just the race, you know, it's showing, um, you know, video output, showing the scenery, showing the experiences that these people are having over the seven days. So, yeah, there's have loads of press. Um, so we've got um, a couple of pretty high profile riders as well this year signed up, uh, amongst them, Marcelo Gutierrez, um, who is an ex downhill champion. Uh, he was sponsored by Red Bull for a couple of years. And there's a very famous video of, of him doing a sort of a downhill circuit, or not a circuit, route through Manizades, uh, going down the, down the, effectively down the city streets. Oh, I've seen that. Um, it makes me sick. Well, yeah, well, yeah. yeah so he's, uh, he's doing it. He's, he's not as, uh, he doesn't really compete as much in downhill anymore, um, but he, he just sort of, is a, he, he's still a very, very respected cyclist. Um, he's coming along. Um, which is great for us, gets us uh, gets our, you know, the race out to a lot of, a lot of people on his networks. Um, Monica Calderon, our champion from 2018 and 2019, she's also racing again. We just finished second in the Titan Desert, which is a similar race in the Moroccan Desert. Um, so we've got a lot of high-profile riders backing them, and the press is generally with excellent, excellent press coverage. Um, so, yeah, so keep an eye out keep, keep an eye out for them. We always say people can... Um, Make sure they're following us on social media. 
Darienda MTB on Instagram, Darienda Dorado on Facebook, and on YouTube as well. So just keep an eye out for those things and you can see everything that's going on. So hang on a second. Lalienda MTB is Instagram. That's all. And then Facebook Live will be Leyenda. Lalienda del Dorado and the same on the same on YouTube as well. And we have LinkedIn and Twitter as well. Uh, people can find us uh, obviously via the website as well, la-leyenda.com. Yeah. So all the news is there, and you'll be seeing lots of stuff uh, published throughout. Oh, you certainly are. So remind me the day, the the the, the kickoff for this fifth edition. Yeah. Um, so we open, the race starts. Uh, well, we have registrations on Saturday the twentieth of August in Cali. Then the prologue starts on Sunday the twenty first of August, and then the whole the, the final stage is uh, Saturday the twenty seventh of August. And then the big news is we open registrations for La Rienda 2023 on Monday, the 29th of August. Um, so that's, a, you know, anyone listening that wants to take part, that wants to come to Colombia um, around the world, that's the day to be online, 9 a.m. our website. We're opening registrations. Big news coming up about that. We can't say too much right now, um, but that's La Rienda 2023. You know, we've got about 500 riders to share and, um, you know, capacity as much as we want to expand capacity, it's always limited. So we always encourage people to be there, you know, at 9 a.m. on the docks when we open. There's always uh, a limited number of early bird places as well. So people need to make the most of that. So the, the 29th is going to sell out as fast as Glastonbury. Uh, I think it's amazing. Can I get a uh, an estimate of how much, like, if people signed up in the early birds, how much it would cost to sign up? Uh, okay, well, prices, we haven't decided prices for next year. Um, but well, what's prices, going on this year? Yeah, well, if we went on, I mean, you've got to think the prices we set this year were three were three years three years ago, but we, 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 we're we looking at a similar thing for next year. Um, the early bird price was just under 3.2 million um, per person um, for seven days, which includes accommodation and all your food and logistics. That puts us in the, we are basically the, the most, the best value race in the world. If you compare similar events in South Africa, the Cape Epic, um, you know, other events in Europe where you can sleep in a tent um, and, you know, they don't give you half as much as what we give and they don't give you any anything like the Colombian hospitality or thousands of people cheering you on with your name. Um, that, so we, we know the race is very, very competitive with price. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's great value. And we always get fantastic comments from our competitors about you know when they see what we give them and we how well we look after them um always good to know so well, it's over, the rate. i mean it's just over a thousand dollars really I mean, oh well well that's the current exchange rates which so yeah. it's, uh, you know it's um yeah we basically if you, if you like mountain biking you want to come to Colombia, and you can get yourself in decent shape you know it's uh you need to train but anyone can do it i think the so, examples yeah. I've given over the last you know, 20 minutes, it shows that anyone can do this race and you know, have an amazing, unforgettable week's uh, mountain biking in Columbus. So you can expect next year's to be priced at like 9 million because of inflation. We're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, not, not that much. No, we, we, we're generally trying to keep the prices as accessible as possible. So, um, no, I think it's great. I think it's excellent. I think I really, you know, it, it's one of these good news stories out of Colombia and, you know, putting it on the map in this, there's a belief in what you're doing. Uh, I mean, you quit your day job for this. <laughs> you know, that, that's your life was changed. There you go. Uh, we come back to that phrase. So I just say, listen, we'll have, I mean, let's, let's get you on in a year's time again to discuss the, um, 
the, the sixth edition and where it is happening and the one-day events that you're going to be doing and so we can continue to enjoy the evolution of La Leyenda. I think that's what's so exciting and also that it's not stuck in one place. I think that's the other thing is, is researching because you're getting repeat uh, clientele, repeat uh, cyclists who want to be out there because each one is different. And each one is more, you know, there's an exoticism to Colombia. There's an unknown to Colombia. That 35% of your, of your uh, sign-ups this year, of, of, of the 500, are international sign-ups coming down here. And, I mean, you know, it's long haul, aside from Miami, but it's long haul to come down here. It's not a small uh, adventure. It's, it's quite serious to get down to Colombia. And you guys are, have opened this uh, for them and for this, uh, let's say, this, 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 these, these uh, athletes. So thank you again for always being so uh, enthusiastic about it. Uh, you, you guys have done more for Colombia than, than many uh, with the La Leyenda. So thank you, uh, Dave, for your time and, of course, sharing what information you can. I was hoping for a, a you know, I was hoping for some uh is it front page news I was hoping for the splash that you could tell me something about next year but that's fine let's keep mum on that and and of course we'll we'll hear yeah no we'll, we'll have stuff coming out very soon about next year um like you just said then about taking the events around Colombia yeah our whole goal when we started at the end it was to show off Colombia to the world I think we're doing that um obviously the whole team um not just Brian you know Rowan Diego Clara uh Patricia and two new members of staff we've had for the last year, Isabel and Juana, they've been amazing in helping us grow despite the difficulties we've had over the pandemic. And it's a pleasure to sort of have these catch-ups every year, hopefully, you know, keep going on and, um, yeah, just, you know, do what we love in showing yeah. Columbia to the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where we're with La Leyenda. Well, um, will we sign off here. <laughs> Uh, let's sign off. You were just in the UK. I was just in the UK. I have to ask you, were you there for the 40 degree heat? Um, I wasn't, Richard. I was there in May, which was, you uh, know, sort of, uh, English spring, but a lovely time. I was there with my girlfriend, Valentina. We had a, a lovely couple of weeks there. It was obviously after pandemic and haven't seen, uh, hadn't seen family and friends for what the best part of two and a half, three years. It was just lovely to be there and mm. sort of appreciate English pubs and trains <laughs> running the time. I didn't notice, you know, you, you do notice it's not, you know, with the staff shortages and stuff like that and inflation, you know, it's not just Colombia that's affected, is it? You know, we see these effects all around the world. So, you know, you're, I always think that when you live in Colombia, the grass sometimes seems greener, you know, back where you come from, but then you, you sort of, you, you go there and you sort of see uh, Colombia's, you know, still got, it's got loads of, loads of opportunities and it's great to live here as well. So it's not all about, you know, sort of, uh, you know, there's a lot of Colombians in Colombia. It's not all about going to Europe, is it? You know, there's a lot of opportunities here and um, it's a great place to live in and perform proper. Well, we wouldn't be here otherwise. I mean, that's the truth of it. So, well, let me um, to say thank you, Dave Proctor, for, for giving us all this information on the fifth edition of La Leyenda and, of course, the one-day uh, events that they're hosting. And there will be more news about next year's race and next year's one-day events, next year's sixth edition. Just an amazing success story, amazing, uh, I would say, evolution of, obviously, 
an idea that came over and came out over a few beers down there in Cali and is now internationally recognized and celebrated. So thank you again for your time. Everybody check out La Leyenda MTB. That's on Instagram. La Leyenda del Dorado. That's on Facebook. Of course, there's a website and everything else. You can find it. We'll put them on the Facebook page as well. Dave, thank you for your time. Thank you, Richard. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Yep. Thanks you're most welcome. Have a great day. Everybody listen up. And of course, we'll go over now to some messages from our sponsors. So don't go away. And of course, be sure to tune in next week. Thank you and bye-bye. This episode was brought to you by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean. Since 1967, their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. And also, our other sponsor is BNB Colombia Tours, experts in custom-made travel throughout Colombia. The team at BNB Colombia Tours can provide you with fantastic private experiences, creating wonderful memories of Colombia for a lifetime. Check out the website at bnbcolombia.com, complete the free itinerary form, and tell them that Colombia Calling sent you to receive a further 5% off their already great prices. So that's bnbcolombia.com and of course latinnews.com. Thank you for everyone for listening. That's us. Farewell and of course check back next week. Bye-bye.